Welcome to the Sales Unscripted Podcast, where it's not what you're saying, but who you're being while you're saying it that matters. Sales and scaling your business is what drives the engine here. So drop in, buckle up, and hold on, because we're about to shake up the sales game with the man behind the mic, Jim Padilla. Awesome. Strickland, thanks for the handoff, my friend. Jim Padilla here with Sales Unscripted, where it's not what you're saying, but who you're being while you're saying it that matters the most. And as you know, we're always talking all things sales, scaling, and leverage. And uh, in addition to launches and live events and all these exciting things, we like to try to bring the things to you that may not feel so exciting at the time, but they lead to incredible, exciting things like freedom, success, growth, uh, and, and movement in your business. And we know consistency is not a sexy word until you add consistent income, consistent freedom, and uh, consistent possibilities to it. Then it gets real sexy. And uh, our guest today that we're bringing on the show for you is no exception. She lives in that lane. Uh, she talks about things that may not seem so sexy, but they are damn sexy if you want to have a successful business with some consistent income growth and opportunities. And she is published, uh, a very published author with The Hands, and she is also the host and creator of The Hands Off CEO podcast, which uh, you want to check out. I've been consuming several episodes. She's got a lot of great insights, and they're short. Like, unlike mine, I love to rant and, and bloviate about stuff. She gets to the point quickly. And so there's a lot of really short podcasts that, get, that are loaded with some great strategies and insight. Her new book, Scale to Freedom, will be available shortly. She's working on it. Um, and uh, it's just life forces uh, are, are holding it back, but she's she's got something powerful that she'll be talking about with that. We'll address some of that here in this call. Um, and all the proceeds from her book are donated to rescue enslaved victims of child sex trafficking, which is the main reason I wanted to make sure we address it, because when it comes, you need to be buying it because you're supporting something extremely powerful. She's committed to social impact uh, she's, and considers herself a freedom fighter. Um, which is it speaks very nearly and dearly to my heart for those of you who know how how active I am uh, in that place. Her clients have added five figures of net profit every month, added millions of dollars in sales, and have excited the day to day so that they can scale growth and business opportunities. And that kind of speaks to, I think, did I say that right? Exited. Anyway. I think exited. Thank exited. You. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> what do we mean? Okay, there we go. Exited. Okay, that makes a whole lot more sense. Um, and that's, what this, that's where it gets exciting, right? That's when it gets exciting. But we're going to talk about what are the things that move mountains and make things behind the scenes happen so that you can exit your business, even if it's not to walk away from it, but it's so you can have somebody else running it for you. Um, so you can find her at a few different places right now at Mandy Elson on Twitter. Uh, and at handsoffceo.com. Make sure you find her, check her out there. We'll give her a shout out as we go. Uh, you can also find her on Facebook. She has a Facebook group, Hands Off CEO, and she'll share more about that. Uh, Mandy Ellison, say hello. Jump on in the conversation. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Jim. Absolutely, welcome. Uh, so I, I really just want to dive in and you know, want to find out a little bit more um, about you know, usually what we're teach in the coaching world, what we teach as experts came from some place of necessity, like we screwed something up or something happened to us that led us to realize this is important. So what was your discovery journey about? Yeah, I definitely screwed some things up. <laughs> that's that's um, what got me into the, the, the work that I do now that it's just so rewarding. I had a, a marketing graphic design 
web design type of company. Um, that was my first company and I got to a point where I had grown it. Things were going good. It was more work than I could handle, but, um, and I had a team, but they just kind of sucked looking back at it. And, um, I was also like eight and a half months pregnant, trying to, trying to like ramp things down so that I can just take maternity time and at the same time, fulfill all the obligations that I made to my clients. But, um, you know what, things were just not turning out the way I wanted. I had developers just drop off the face of the earth, just like right when we were at the, at the, trying to deliver some of these projects and it was stressful. And at the same time, all the stress had like, um, my, my body was actually like on fire, like my arms, like I couldn't move them. Um, I had to, to, um, I got it fixed eventually, but it took like, it took like a lot of money, a lot of money in, in acupuncture to fix that. And it was, really at a time where I should have been preparing for um, the birth of my second baby. I had a four-year-old. My husband was in grad school, um, this, this very demanding medical program, which I was pretty much a single mom. And um, right. this was a time where I really wanted this business to be running without me and continuing to bring income for me while I was on maternity leave. But it didn't. And it was really frustrating for me because I actually knew how to do this. I had done this before as a business manager at the last company that I had, I had worked for and I couldn't do this for my own business. And it just drove me crazy that I couldn't. So, um, so you reach a place where you start to real, my, my wife, we've had this discussion. This has been one of her taglines is that I'm way too smart to feel this dumb. Cause I know better and I know how to do this. <laughs> and I think we've all had those moments. Yeah. That's a, that's about what happened. Right. Yep. Excellent. So, uh, what, so what is birthed as a result of that? What's the major aha you found out in that journey? First of all, real quick, listeners, I'm, raise your hand while you're running on the treadmill or driving. Don't raise both of them. Keep your eyes on the road. But are, <laughs> can you relate? Maybe not to the having the baby part, but really, really wanting to be able to free yourself from this, from the things you do in your business because you know there's more you can be doing, but you're so buried in tasks and you either can't find the right team or you can't trust the right team or trust yourself or whatever else. And I'm sure there's a lot of other problems that are related to that, right? So pay attention closely because uh, we're going to be addressing that. Um, yeah, so what came out of that was that I was going to figure out how to, how to solve this problem because that's just, that's what I, I do. I'm, I'm a problem solver. And, um, what I discovered in this testing that I did, I, I just started meeting with entrepreneurs and they had the same problem and I just started solving the problem for them. And my, um, what I was trying to, ho I was hoping to do is understand what the process was. So then I could do the same thing for myself. So I understood what the process was, but what was happening is I was changing people's lives as I was doing this. And I'm like, um, just like on a small level. Right. And then I realized that like, I want to do more of this. And the businesses that the, the business that I was running before, you know, doing designing websites and the branding and all that. And I, it was just less exciting to me. And this new business that I realized I was creating without even knowing it was really where my passion was. So, um, at this point, I had had um, I had an apprentice that I kind of turned into a to um, a co-owner, and um, she, I uh, I sold the business to her. She's still running it today, and then it freed me up to really be focusing 100% on on um, hands off CEO as it later became, and um, now the rest is history. Awesome. So hands off CEO again, hands off CEO.com, where you can find her. Um, what are they going to find there? What what is why would they go there? 
What exactly does that mean? Well, I have lots of great resources there for you know, uh, how to find 10 extra hours per week to focus on sales growth, right? Um, That's always good. Or maybe you're already working like 60 hours a week and you'd like to just be working less. That's an option too. Um, What what also what they'll find there is my five-step roadmap for how to get your team to profitably run the company so that you can grow it. So um, becoming a hands-off CEO is not just about like just sitting on a beach and, you know, having this company that just that generates and it's not this four hour work week type of thing. It, it, it can, um, it can provide that if that's your goal, but really it's more about how you're able to do more with the same amount of time or even less time. How do you create a bigger outcome, a, a bigger impact in the world, a bigger impact with your team, a bigger impact with your clients? How do you do all that? without having to, um, at the, without it being at the expense of your personal life. Right. And that's extremely attractive. Um, it's something that we spent a lot of 2016 working on as a company here, because we have, you know, a pretty big team with a lot of, a lot of sales team, a lot of moving parts. And we realized that we, sometimes we were suffering growing the business because I was so entrenched in running the business. So I happily say now at the end of 2018, I don't have anything to do with running the business. If I'm jumping in running the business, it's because something's really wrong. And I'm probably not the person who should be fixing it anyway. (laughs) Probably not. And I'm not surprised to hear you say that, Jim, because um, just about every person I've ever met who is amazing at sales um, has a bit of a hard time with capacity and building out the systems and managing the people. And it's just not where your main, like the the main joy is for you. Correct. There's nothing wrong with that, right? so sometimes being really good in one area can make it hard to really to it, it can it can be a, a barrier that allowed that to, to growing the rest of the company. So I'm I'm really happy that you fixed this problem for you in your company. Not that it probably wasn't a problem necessarily. It was just like an opportunity no. to grow. You know, I remember the day that it happened though, the, like the, the big transition point because our you know we had a lot of meetings. We're virtual companies. So we have more meetings than a physical company because that's the, how you connect half the time, and. We had an operations meeting that happens every week and I would show up and I would start telling them how they should be doing stuff. And they were like, what exactly do you want done? And I would say, get this done. And they would say, good, now leave and let us figure out how to do it. And then it got to the point where, why are you in this meeting? Just get out of here. We don't want you here. We are going to solve this problem without you. Do you care how we solve it? And I'm like, well, no. They said, good, then go away. <laughs> And I was awesome because now I was freed up from having those meetings and uh, being and having to deal with the stuff that I didn't really want to deal with anyway. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think there's this stage where you get to in your business growth where, I, and I, I'd actually love to hear what you think about this too, is where, where sales is no longer the biggest thing. Because for a long time, selling is like the biggest thing, like, how do we find more sales? How do we find more sales? But you get to a certain point where that's not the biggest problem now is how do we have capacity to deliver more of that? Sales is also a problem because you're going to need, you really need to keep an eye on that. Otherwise you'll have this inconsistent income, you know, this roller coaster up and down, you know, your best month and then uh, a big dip and then your worst month after that, because you just are all, all hands on deck to, to deliver and you forget about going out and selling more. Right. 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting when you, when you get to a certain size, then you have to remember where, where everybody is in their lanes. And it's really important. So, because you can't take the foot off the gas of sales it needs to always be an ever present portion of what you're doing. Um, but at some point you have to recognize that the, the, especially the bigger you grow, especially if you grow fast, we're a scale company and everybody we move with moves quickly. And we see people make so many mistakes because they weren't planning for the growth that they were hitting because it was happening faster than expected. And we actually just got done with the meeting yesterday where all the stuff you see behind me on the whiteboard, this is all part of infrastructure meetings. We are, okay, now that we've got this and we're, we're pouring all in, how do we make sure that we are actually providing this more powerfully, more efficiently, more effectively, um, streamlining, like we're bringing everything into a, um, even in our internal training with our team, we're bringing everything into a tracking software hub. So we're not having to just engage them personally as often, but as we can actually track, are they consuming the training content? Are they doing the meeting? Are they doing their work? So it's just more things that are helping us leverage and strategize so we can make sure that when we're spending time, it's the right time about the right things. But that stuff wasn't happening before because we were just busy running around serving. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you're kind of touching on the side of the business, the side of being a hands-off CEO that's really boring. <laughs> right. This is the, <laughs> this is the boring part, right? Right. Um, and, but the where I see it starts is actually the part where you're looking at how do we, how do we um, create an offer and then the, the what are our um, the steps of our client success map so that we get amazing results every time. But it starts with how do we sell it? So I when I'm looking at you know building out a system for your team to be running, like you don't start with that. You start with like what is going to build the biggest outcome for the market, like what's going to sell the best, and really be be um, messing with the messaging on that first, selling that, and then building out. Um, from the back end, rather your team building out in the back end, how it's all done. And, and in that way, you can really let go and be focusing on the, the marketing and the sales and, and the activities that will actually grow the company. And then your team can figure, figure out the rest of that and put together the frameworks that help you actually have the visibility that things are on track. Then you don't have to dirty your hands with it as much. Right. Yeah. So on that line, something that comes to mind for me, like I, I don't, I'm, I see myself as a, a good leader. I don't see myself as a good manager. And I think sometimes people confuse the two and think one, they're one and the same. What, how, how do you differentiate the two? I think, I think that's a great question. And I, I definitely, I can, I can see exactly what you're saying. And, and a leader is someone who is inspiring the, um, the what and the why, right? What and the why. And a manager is more someone who is... Um, breaking down the how with the team, right? So, so they're, they are managing the how. And as the leader of your company, you should not be in charge of the how. And I think you touched on that before with your, your team basically kicking you out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah. that's, when, that's when you know you're on the right track is when your team kicks you out. And that, this happens all the time with my clients too, where they're saying, you know what? I'm so excited because, you know, I did this and my team actually, like my managers just told me to go away and that we don't need you here anymore. And you're just mucking things up. Um, yeah. that's a, that's like a milestone. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, it's a red letter day for me. I'll never forget that day. It was awesome. It was like, I happily don't know what's going on in there. And that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, but, and I, but I, and I think though, where a lot of entrepreneurs have a hard time letting go is, you know, trusting that 
what is happening behind that door is actually in line with where they want to go. And there are some things that need to be in place for you to know that and for you to be directing that vision and, and to be the good leader, like you were, you were mentioning, but, um, but also to have some feedback loops in place so that you are actually being, um, kept up to, up to speed with what what is happening you don't need to know all the nitty-gritty details but you you having some reporting so that you understand that things are going um, on the right track right and I can tell you from experience that the lack of that reporting um, can bite you because I have so much going on especially because I'm moving at a 30,000 foot level so many times. I can speak something into action and the team gets rolling on it. And then I forget about this deadline that was coming up directly related to that until two days beforehand. Like, oh, hey, what happened with that? And I should have asked that question like three weeks ago instead of the day before I needed it. Well, yeah. And, and here's the other thing too is, is, you know, instead of you having to be the one that says, hey, what, what's happening with that? Actually having the, the onus be on your managers, on the team to report back to you and say, this is the progress we're making on this. And this is, we need this one thing from you to be able to, to move forward on it. Yeah, exactly. And then we learned that the hard way several, a few times in the past. And the thing that, the way that we've framed it, um, semantics may not be the, the ideal here, but basically I've, I've taken myself out of any true deliverable. We've, well, the goal here is we've tried to set the whole company in a place where everybody else is actually hands-on responsible for specific outcomes and I work for them. So if you have a deliverable and you need me to create, Hey, Tim, I need you to create a video for the team or for this client or do something, then I will do it. But if you don't ask me and it needed to get done, that's on you. So you, you know, you missed your deadline because you didn't engage me right that way. I'm right. ready to do whatever is necessary. I just can't be responsible for trying to make sure all these deadlines get hit. Right. So I just hold them accountable to to hitting their deadlines, and if that and they use me, however they need to use me. Yeah, and and another word for that is ownership, and really yeah. building that that culture in your company where um, each person is owning something. They're not they're not just like a worker bee in it, but they are they have ownership of each one of those those things, and and um, it's their responsibility to get it from you. I love that you um, you are doing that. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun because then, it, it, like I said, it takes the stress off of me of trying to having to remember all this stuff. Um, but it's cool because I get to be engaged with whatever's going on, only to the level that I that that it keeps me in my genius. So it's cool. Yeah. Um, so with that, we're talking a lot about like me and my personality and my you know me being the brand. And I've heard you talk about um, you know you, you're everything I've heard from you is is really leaning towards how do we pull me out more like if i'm to exit this company if we want to sell it then ultimately it's they're not selling my brand my personality they're selling what's the outcome what's the most effective way to get the personality out of it so that it is something that is consumable by people who don't know me hmm. that's a that is another great question so um i don't think there's anything wrong with you having the personality in it and um but but as long as the um the steps for how you're actually getting the work done can actually exist without you so that you're building the IP, whether or not you're the one doing it. So um, this is where it comes back to this client success map I was mentioning. So um, your first, your first launching it, beta testing it based on, you know, these are, these, these are, these are the, this is the, this is the um, outcome that we're get, getting. This is the one outcome that we get for 
one client, the one, one um, painful problem. So you're solving one painful problem, one type of client, and then you're delivering one type of outcome. That's what makes it scalable, by the way. Right. So when you're delivering like 10 different kinds of solutions to all these different clients, it's very difficult to, uh, to remove the, um, the personality, like you said, out of it because they're buying because of you. They're buying because of all the years of experience that you have. And the, the, they have a very high likelihood of getting the result that they want if you're the one doing it. But if you're not the one doing it, the likelihood of them getting that outcome is very low. So um, when you can take what you know and to build it into a system and it's very difficult to do this if you're if you're solving 10 different problems but if you're solving one type of problem or even just sometimes there's a few different types of problems that you can actually solve with one main type of type of um system right right so it's looking at you know what is the outcome that we want what so maybe the outcome is um maybe maybe the outcome is to double their sales let's just throw that let's just throw that out there right um and you can even tell me Good outcome. We're going to double your sales conversions in three months. You know, maybe that, maybe that's what it is. So then looking at, okay, that's the outcome. So how do we, how do we break that down into steps? If we were to guarantee that there's, so there's two different parts of this too. like, so if we were to guarantee that, what would we need to have in place in order to, to potentially guarantee this, this outcome? So now you're looking into qualification with your sales. And this is where it gets kind of fun with selling because when you're really clear, like we need to have these 10 things in place for us to be able to guarantee this outcome, then it's really about of like, we are, we're looking for coaches that want to be able to double their sales conversions and make an extra $300,000, um, $300,000 this year. Um, maybe, maybe you'll be a fit, maybe you won't, but would you be interested to have that conversation? And that's going to be very different than, um, than, oh, we do sales consulting, you know? So that's the kind of offer that you can get people on the phone for. And it's just a matter of qualifying and quantifying, you know, qualifying, do they meet these parameters for you to potentially guarantee this outcome for them? And um, is the pain, is there enough pain there? Can you deliver a big enough outcome for them that is justifying you actually doing the work so that you can charge enough money to actually make it worth your while? Right. So those are the two things that I break sales down to, too. You might have, yeah. you're a sales expert, so you, you see things a different way, I'm sure. But qualifying and quantifying is, is my mantra for selling. For sure. No, I like that a lot. Um, and that's backwards on the camera. The far column over there <laughs> that we, we were just uh, addressing that we're, we, we were looking at some price points because some people hire us. And I think this is something that people have to, have to really pay attention to is the ego has to come out. Like I, I used to think, okay, well, people are hiring us because they want my brain, my expertise, my hundred million dollar sales brain on your business. Like some we say a lot, but there's some people who just want us because we're a great solution, not because I'm magical, right? And they don't necessarily need me in it. They just need, because they know that we have fantastic systems and we've done this and we do it really well. So there's a price option that you can get that doesn't include me. Cause you mm-hmm. don't need me. You just need the fact that our team is a well-oiled machine and we rock this. We know what's up. You get good metrics, you get everything you need. And then if you actually need my brain to help strategize and put this whole thing together, there's a different price point. Whereas before we were just offering the one price point that included me and all of that. And we realized some people don't, don't actually aren't here showing up for that. They're showing up because of what we've been able to create. And so everybody's got a version of that. And that's also part of, getting that the hands off piece. That's another layer of moving me further out, being able to not have to be involved in every single campaign at every level. 
Yeah. And I, that's great. You're, you're talking about how it's being, you're, you're selling an outcome instead of your personality. Right. Um, which by the way is risky for a client. It's risky. It's, it's not so risky because they, because your track record's excellent. But, um, when you're selling an outcome, it is a lot less risk for a client when, when they're, when they're buying that versus a process or like, Oh, well maybe it will work. And then that's where you get into this, uh, into this price resistance where it's kind of like, well, I hope it will work. And it's like them throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping it will stick. So I mean, when, when you're throwing money at a problem and seeing if it will work, you're willing to pay a lot less than if you have a very high certain, uh, there's a very high certainty that they're going to get the outcome in say three months. They're willing to pay a lot more money for that type of solution. So that's why I look at what are the ways that we could, we could increase the certainty as much as possible, remove, um, remove some of those objections. So looking at what is the biggest objection for them to um, working to, to working with us. Now, what could we do to remove that? So one of my biggest objections years ago, um, I don't get this now anymore is I don't have any time to work on this. I know this is really important, but I have no time. Right. So I developed this process for how to find 10 extra hours in an hour with just a couple of tweaks. And that now I no longer have that objection and it's like a huge value. And interestingly enough, I've fought this for years, but it's become one of the main hooks for why people want to work with me, but it's such a small piece of even what I do. So it's just kind of interesting how you can um, take one of the, one of the biggest um, frustrations people have, one of the biggest objections and actually turn it into one of your biggest selling features. For sure. Yeah. So I didn't want to, well, actually, I don't ever mind. I don't have a specific plan for this to go. Um, this has been really great insight primarily around the sales component, which is obviously a large part of our audience. Um, but let's take a couple of minutes and, and just dive into, let's, let's separate this from the sales component. And how do we apply this in the business? How do you take that same strategy of leveraging the right people? And I, and I know that we have learned that by bringing the right people in, it allows us to operate more effectively and more efficiently, which then gives the ability for me and Cindy, my wife and partner, to pull further back from the business. All right. Great. So I, and I have a really good way to, to, to take this, take this question you asked. Okay. okay. So how do you leverage the right people? So one of the biggest challenges when you're, when you're scaling a service-based business is that you have the brains component and you have and the brains component. It's like, it's, it's a very expensive skill set to hire for. Um, it's, it's very difficult to actually find people with that, that level of skill that can do it as well as you can with the consistency with the willingness, especially with sales, right? right. I, I can imagine that would be really difficult. Um, and, you know, so how do we break this down into the different components so that we can optimize our team we, we can, uh, and we can free up capacity for the very best players? So the way we do this is, is, you know, back to what I was mentioning, the client success map. Let's say there's five steps that you get to the outcome of doubling sales conversions in three months. So, um, Looking at what the looking at what the steps are and understanding, okay, which pieces need to be done by the brains and which pieces need to be done by the hands. So, typically, when you're looking at a service, there eighty percent of it is um, more is can be standardized, it's more process driven, and can be done by lower skilled workers. And doesn't necessarily mean these are minimum wage workers, by the way. It's just that right. they they require less skill set than than your brains do, which which um, are going to be higher paid. Or it might be even you. In a lot of in a lot of cases, people listening, the, the twenty percent brains is done by um, you as a CEO. That's for in my company, it's mostly that way too. So 
um, so that looking at the 80%, how can that part be um, delegated away from you? Um, but, but it's really important to first be able to break down and decide which parts are the repeatable that some that you can have the hands people do and then which parts are the strategic that you can have the brains people do and the the um the real opportunity that comes here which is one of the main reasons why people come to work with me by the way is because it's very difficult to scale strategy it's very difficult to when when you're doing something custom for every type of every single one of your clients how do you scale that right. and um that that's it's quite a challenge so what we do is is not only we're putting together like a framework for the the, the, the repeatable but but um now but also a framework for how the strategic is done how those decisions are being made so that it it it, it really frees up your time to to focus on the magic and to understand you know what you you putting together a, a plan with your clients and then um Understanding what are the milestones that need to happen at each stage, you know, what are, where are our check-ins that need to happen and, and that way you can be sure that it's being done well and that you can optimize your staff based on um, who should be doing what and when. And right. then um, you can really be delivering these services in a way where it's, it's more streamlined, more profitable, and um, you really have that capacity to continue growing. That's great. And, and yeah, I totally resonate. I mean, every single client we take on is unique. So we have systems that work, but literally every client we work with, we have to customize it a little bit because they're all different and their clients are different. And so we have a lot of integration there. But what we have figured, one of the things that we've laid into is pulling all of our team leaders together who are interface with the client. And we, we, cheat, we speak to them as a cohesive unit and we co-collaborate on solving all the campaigns. So I might have, you know, five team leaders working on 10 different campaigns, uh, but we, we come together and we solve all the problems for all 10 campaigns together. So that way they all start thinking like one, you know, hive mind. And then we all start, so we start transferring skill sets and ahas to different campaigns and to each other. And then they all also start figuring out how I think and how I respond. So now 90% of the time when they're engaged with a client, they can go, we call it channeling your inner gym around here. So they can go, oh, this is what Jim would say. This is what Jim would say. And then now they only have to come to me for 10% of the things. So I'm not involved in every step of the process. And then the goal would be at some point that I'm 100% out, although that scares the hell out of me. But <laughs> <laughs> so how, what's, that wasn't really a question, I guess, but um, are, are you familiar with Brian Clemmer Associates? No. He's a, he's a coach. He was, he was more popular about 10 years ago. He died, um, unfortunately. But the thing that I found was fascinating with him is he's a, he's a transformational coaching um, expert and he wrote several books and he's had a huge following. And after he died, the next year, his business doubled because his brand was able to be executed and implemented by his team without him. And I was just fascinated by that whole process. I'm like, how do you do that? How can you create a brand that can double after you leave? Wow. That is really, that is very remarkable. And it, as you're even saying this, it makes me think like, what ways am I being the, the bottleneck to growing the company? Because, you know, you're, you're used to being the star of it. You right. know? Um, Definitely. 
So I wanted to touch on the thing that you just shared about how you, um, you coach, like, was it five or 10 different, um, the team leaders, the team leaders at the, yeah. at the same time. So what I love about this, and is that, is that inside of your business or is that your client's businesses? No, it's inside ours. Those are our team okay. leaders. Yeah. Inside your, well, I was thinking you were thinking you were talking about within your client's business, because what I have noticed is that, um, you know, I, I, have, I, in scaling my own company, you know, I've gone from, you know, one-on-one to kind of like, I, I've tried some different models. And what I've noticed is that, that um, moving to a model where there is some group interaction on a high level, um, um, it's not mixed with lower level, but really on a high level, then um, it, it's, it's more scalable, but really the, the client experience goes up. So one of the, the, the a mindset um, thing that can really come up is that if I scale the company, if I grow the company, if I, if I make it uh, more streamlined, that it's going to reduce the, the value for clients. But what if it actually increased the value? And that's something that I've found with our clients. And, and, and um, I've had some of our clients that have been one-on-one and then have moved into our model where we have um, the leadership activator calls and the, and the, the retreats and, and having a, a group element added to it. And it adds a lot more value. So there are ways that you can leverage and that actually adds more value to your clients. Right. Yeah. And that's interesting because for us, we're like, we're kind of the mirror image of that. We leverage inside and then the clients feel the effects of it, right? Because each of our clients, part of the reason they hire us because they don't have time to do this on their own. So we don't want to pull them into a whole bunch of meetings and all that. We have the meetings on this side that then help them scale and leverage their business on the outside. So. Yeah, actually, that, that's a really great model. I love it. Very interesting. Um, so, I, I mean, I could do this all day. I'm fascinated by this co- process. I mean, we're a scale company. You, you know, you're you're in the same conversation all the time. Um, how how do people find you? I mean, what's what's the most what's what do you what do we need to be able to send people to you for? Why do they want to talk to you? What's the thing they need to be learning and thinking about? So. What the thing you need to be learning and thinking about is if you have a service-based business, particularly if you're doing some kind of done-for-you service like like your company does, is that um, you're really understanding what is the model that I'm going to be taking to scale? What are the steps that I'm going to be taking to scale in a way where um, it doesn't require more and more of my time? So um, what we do, we've done is put together this uh, roadmap. It's a five-step roadmap to freedom. So um, five steps to to scale your business and make it run profitably without you. Um, so that you can you can go out and sell more and you can keep growing the company. So if you go to handsoffceo.com forward slash roadmap, then you can download that for yourself. And it's a great workbook. And um, it has uh, a, a tip for how to, to free up, I guess, 20 extra hours per week with just one, one tweak. So uh, you can go over there and download that and get access to it. That's good stuff. And that's all going to be in the show notes at salesandscripted.com along with uh, her Facebook group uh, and um, how to reach her on Twitter. And so make sure you get everything you need there and go talk to her. If, Cause I, I know one of, one of the challenges for many of you listening right now is, well, that would be great, but what are the things that I scale? I'm probably doing 20 things right now, even if I'm doing five things, right? And just, that's why you need to talk to somebody who's an expert, someone who can look at you with, uh, with an, uh, with an objective eye because she's not emotionally attached to the stuff you've created like you are and she can help you separate and be objective and say okay this is the thing we should be focusing on so the thing that's actually making you money the thing that actually has a chance to grow and scale instead of just your favorite thing and so we want to be able to run a business like a business so that then you can be freed up to do your favorite things 
and be able to be of, of service and of impact. So um, make sure you get in there, salesinscripted.com, uh, salesinscripted.com, um, and go to uh, the show notes in there and, and go get that, that roadmap. Because if anything, for one reason alone, you want to be able to save an extra 10 to 20 hours a week. So then you can sit around and figure out what exactly you should be doing, buying back that time, sometimes not to fill it with other things, but allow yourself the time to, to think and feel into what's going on is priceless. So while people are doing that, Mandy, I got one more question I want to ask you, and I'm always fascinated by this with people. When I see experts space, I know you're doing something in your personal life too. You're working on other things. You're always, you're never just sitting around with your hands folded, just, you know, kicking back, but what's the stuff that's happening in your life? What's something you are working on as a person that is showing up and providing dividends in your business too? Well, one of the things that I'm working on as a person is that building a ceramic studio in my yard. I'm building wow. and, and really getting more into my art. Um, that's just been something that's important to me. And as I've grown the company, I've felt like it's been something that hasn't been as prioritized. And I'm just like, I'm doing it and I'm really excited. So that right there, the, the, that creativity, it allows me to add that creativity back in my business and show up as my very best self for my clients. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm there's just such a wide range of answers that keep coming. This is, I think this is going to be a book in itself. Um, <laughs> good stuff. So I love that. Allow yourself that time to, to find the creativity. And if you don't have the time to create a ceramic studio in your backyard or take up the guitar or take dancing lessons or do something that's going to engage that creative side of you a little bit more, go talk to Mandy. She can help you free up that time and help you shape your perspective on how to leverage your business better so that you can start doing the things that you know you should be. All right. So appreciate the time. Great discussion. I love uh, the information that you're bringing and uh, guys go talk to her. Um, and until next time guys go out and do life and business on your terms, Strickland, show them where to go and what to do from here, my friend. All right, Jim, I'll show them where to go from here, man. Look, if you love what you're hearing, here is a great way to get more. You can get a free month's access to our awesome drop-in coaching group. Here's all you got to do. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and share it. Let us know when you do at salesunscripted.com forward slash get more. Look for the share your review button on the page. That's all you got to do. We'll see you next week.